Hi, everyone, and welcome to 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. The two Golden Age radio shows, Escape and Suspense, were radio's leading anthology series of high adventure and drama, with Escape airing on CBS Radio from July 7, 1947 to September 25, 1954, and Suspense continued to 1962. These two shows presented great American-made radio drama, which became the foundation for TV. Radio, as you know, is purely acoustic, with no visual component, and it relied on great scriptwriters and actors to enable the listeners to imagine the characters and the story. It was high drama, great acting, and terrific stories. As one of the shows say, all designed for you from the four walls of today. Here we offer the very best of escape and suspense. We hope you enjoy this week's presentation. And if you do, send us a kind review for 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. And now, our two stories. Suspense! Tonight, You'll Never See Me Again, starring Joseph Cotton. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glassful would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Suspense. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you a star, Mr. Joseph Cotton, and so with Cornell Woolrich's story of marriage and murder, called You'll Never See Me Again, and with the performance of Mr. Cotton as an American husband named Ed Bliss, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Walking out on me. What does it look like to you? Like you're walking out on me? Got everything you need? Well, at least I'm glad you're showing your true colors. I'd rather have found it out now than later. Didn't take you long, did it, baby? If you're looking for your coat, it's in here. Thanks. Need any money? I don't need anything from you, including your wedding ring. There! And you know what you can do with it. Sure, a hock it. Well, pick a nice, quiet hotel. I don't have to pick a hotel. I'm no orphan. And when you get good and sick of it, come on back and maybe I'll still be here. You'll still be here. You'll never see me again as long as you live. <laughs> You'll never see me again as long as you live. You'll never see me again as long as you live, she said. If I'd known then what I know now, I guess that, that wouldn't have sounded so funny. All right. Maybe I'm not the easiest guy in the world to get along with, but it's perfectly natural for a couple to have at least one good fight after they've been married nearly three months. And I just wasn't going to be the first one to say uncle, that's all. Still, you don't wait around forever when your wife walks out on you, even if you are playing hard to get, so... The third evening, I put in a call. I knew all along she'd head for a mother's place, and anyway, she'd practically told me where she was going when she left. Hello? Oh, uh, hello. Is this, uh, Mrs. Alden? Yes. Oh, this is Ed, uh, Janet's husband? 
Oh, oh yes. How how is Janet? Isn't she there with you? With me? Why no? Isn't she with you? No. That was all I needed to hear. Grabbed my hat and headed for the bus station. That was the only way she could have possibly gone to her mother's place at that time of night, by bus. At first, I wanted to find out if there was anybody who could positively identify her as having left. The guy at the ticket office wasn't very bright. To West Hampton? Yeah. Well, seems like I remember somebody like that. It would have been Monday night, just about this time. West Hampton, Monday night. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe... Couldn't be sure, though. Never mind. Give me a ticket. Uh, where to? Where do you think? West Hampton. She was blonde, blue eyes, good looking. Uh, sure, sure. I remember her. Where'd you get off? I, uh, think it was West Hampton. Mister, come for all locks. I just wa- I just wanted some information. Huh? Can you tell me where the Aldens live? Alden? Yeah. Oh yeah, they're those new people. Yeah. Well, you you go up the crossroad there and then turn to your left, go on down the hill. It's the one, two, three. Let me see. No, fourth driveway on your right. Did uh, anyone ask you how to get there last Monday night? Oh, we're closed Monday. Thanks. It's the fourth driveway on your right. Somebody lost their way. Yes? I'm uh, Ed Bliss, Janet's husband. Oh, oh, oh yes. Uh, come in, Ed. I've been looking forward so much to meeting you. I wish it could have been under different circumstances, though. Yeah. Hey, I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, haven't you heard anything yet, Ed? No, me. I can't understand it. It's not like her to do a thing like that. Oh, Ed, I... Pardon me. I, I want you to meet... Mr. and Mrs. Farley. We were just playing a little bridge. How do you do? Yes. How do you do? And this is my husband, Joe Alden. <laughs> Guess that makes him your stepfather-in-law, doesn't it? Uh, Joe, this is Ed Bliss. How do you do? Nice to meet you, Ed. Well, I guess we'd better be going. Yes, I guess we have. I do hope that you're wise. I mean... Well, that. I wouldn't worry about oh, that. Oh, uh, you heard about it, did you? Well, Ed, you see, they dropped in a little while after you phoned, and we thought... Oh, that's all right. Well, uh, thanks for asking us over. Uh, come again real soon. Yeah, we'll do that. We now, will. I hope you well, uh, Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, good night. Oh, Ed, I hope you didn't mind about them. I... It's all right. Okay. Well, uh, come on into the living room, then, and tell us about it. Not much to tell you that you don't know, is there? No. No, I suppose not. Sit down. Thanks. Uh, can't I get you something to eat? No, 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 thanks. Oh, some coffee or something. I think I'll pass up the refreshments this time. Well, I know how you must feel. Yeah, I guess you do. But I I still can't. I I just can't. You've uh, painted this room lately, haven't you? Yeah. What about it? Nothing. Just looks a little funny, that's all. You think so? Yeah, that brick wall in front of the house is kind of new, too, isn't it? 
You know I'm a bricklayer by trade, don't you? Well, now that you've mentioned it, I... Oh, Joe, how can you talk about... Uh, <clears throat> you better go on upstairs, Laura. She's taking it pretty hard. Yeah. You seem to be bearing up all right, though. You haven't lost any sleep over it yet yourself, have you? I'm not her husband. This isn't getting us anywhere. What was that? Laura, I guess she's going to bed. Oh. Well, I guess I better be getting down to get that last bus. How about staying overnight? No, thanks. Suit yourself. Wait a minute, I'll put the porch light I'd on. I'd say all right. Ah, that's better. By the way, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? I suppose you and Janet had a row. What's that got to do with anything? I hear you got kind of a temper. Were you a little too quick with the flat of your hand? That's all this for the benefit of the neighbors? Might be. Have you notified the police yet? No, and I don't like the way you ask questions. Okay, okay. Want me to walk down to the bus with you? It's pretty dark. Maybe that's why I'd rather walk down alone. Now, wait a minute, Ed. I think maybe you got me All right, wrong. all right. Maybe I have. Say goodnight to Mrs. Alden for me. Yeah. Let us hear from you. Don't worry. You'll hear from me, all right. Still plenty dark when I got back to town, but I took the shortcut at the corner just the same, a path across a vacant lot. Between the lot and my house, there's a hedge. I was just going through it when I stopped cold. There was a light on in my house. Only it wasn't a regular light. It was the beam of a flashlight moving past the living room window. That could only mean one thing, cops. Of course, it was Joe Alden that tipped them off. I just waited, and then I heard the front door open and close. I saw two men standing outside, and one of them went up the street. Pretty soon, I heard a car drive off. The other man was just a shadow now, standing by a tree in front of the house. You could see he was expecting me to come from the other direction. I stepped through the hedge and went over to him. Would you be looking for anybody in particular? I might be. Who are you? Ed Bliss. Who are you? Detective Stillman, Bureau of Missing Persons. How did you know anyone was looking for you? Oh, I'm just bright that way. Yeah? Well, they like bright boys down at headquarters. Come on, let's go. Tonight, for suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you a star, Mr. Joseph Cotton, whom you've heard in the first act of tonight's tale of suspense. In many foreign countries where discerning tastes have found Roma wines, they are an expensive luxury imported and treasured. For Roma wines are in every sense fine wines from the choicest vineyard country of California. They are products of age-old winemaking skill aided by modern quality controls and tests that assure unvarying excellence of taste and character. Yet Roma wines cost you mere pennies a glassful. Such enjoyable flavor and constant quality, such low cost, such high wine value, have made Roma by far America's largest selling wines, enjoyed by millions with meals when entertaining anytime. Try Roma wine yourself. Tomorrow at dinner, no matter what you're serving, place on the table a cool bottle of ruby red hearty Roma California Burgundy. 
see how much new zest it adds to food, how it makes a real occasion of even the simplest meal. To enjoy this extra mealtime pleasure, just ask your dealer for R-O-M-A, Roma Wine, made in California, for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Mr. Joseph Cotton, who, in the person of Ed Bliss, resumes the story called You'll Never See Me Again. Tonight's study in... Suspense! watching my face. Detective Stillman of the Bureau of Missing Persons. I'd been expecting this to happen sooner or later, but now that it had, I was stunned for a moment. He said it again. Come on, bright boy. They're expecting us at headquarters. Now, wait a minute. I want to talk to you. I'm in a jam. Oh, you're telling me. Not the way you think. Will you come inside with me? I've been inside. What kind of a furnace do you have in your cellar, Bliss? An oil burner. The kind that turns on automatic with an electric cut-in? That's right. Why? Is there a fuse blown? How did you know there was a fuse blown? <laughs> was that why you were searching my house with a flashlight, or was it because you didn't have a warrant? Oh, you really are a bright boy, aren't you? Well, come on, come on. Now, now, now listen, listen. I, I don't want to have any arguments. I want help, and I want it bad. Will you give me a break? What kind of a break? Now, this is no place to talk. Will you come inside? Okay, okay, but you'd better talk fast and good. Don't worry. Boxes right down here. Yeah, flash your light up here. I always keep a couple of fuses on top of it. Yeah. There we are. Let's go in the front room. Uh, after you. <laughs> okay. Uh, now. Now, what do you want to talk about? Don't you understand? She's my wife. I'm scared. Then why did you run out? Why didn't you tell the police? Because at first I thought it was just... You know, one of those things. And anyway, I, I knew where she'd gone, back to her mother's. How did you know that? Because I went down there after. Because all kinds of people saw her go. Bus drivers, ticket sellers. Only when I I got there, she wasn't there. How much uh, life insurance did you carry on her, Bliss? 25000 Well, that's quite a lot for a $75 a week architect, oh, isn't it? Oh, her mother paid for it. A wedding present. For heaven's sake, what do you think I did? Burn it in the cellar or something? No. No, we know you didn't do that. We look... Oh, cut it out, cut it out, will you? I... I love her. We've only been married three months. Well, what do you want me to do? Give me a break. You take me down to headquarters now. It may be hours. Oh, it'll be hours, all right. In the meantime, if there's still a chance, there's got to be. She's somewhere, and she's in danger. I know it. Yeah, how? I tell you, I followed her down to her mother's place in West Hampton. There's a guy at the station who remembers selling her a ticket. The bus driver remembers her getting off there, and then she just disappeared. Then what? Well, I went down to her mother's house. They hadn't seen her. But there's something funny about it. There's something funny about her mother and that stepfather. There's something funny about that house and about that room. What room? That living room of theirs. Listen, you've got to let me help you find her. You've got to go down there to West Hampton with me because I've got a hunch somehow that, that I'm the only one who can find her. Uh. All right, Bliss. All right. I don't know why, but I believe you. You do? You'll go? Yeah. And I... I shouldn't believe you either, because... Because what? 
What was your wife wearing when she ran out on you Monday night? What was she wearing? Yes, yes, you must remember what she was wearing. Well, she was wearing a gray flannel suit, a skirt and jacket, you know, a pink silk shirt waist, patent leather high heel shoes, and all those crazy little hats. Any baggage? Yeah, a little tan suitcase. You're sure of that? Sure. Well, that's why I shouldn't believe you. Why not? Because when you find somebody's clothes around, you usually start looking for the body right nearby. Well, what do you mean? They weren't burnt up because that fuse had blown. But we found every one of those things in the furnace down in your cellar about 20 minutes ago. And he said that I knew there wasn't much time. But he was going up to West Hampton with me anyway. That was the main thing. Of course, first he had to route out the bus driver, the ticket seller, and check my story with them just to be sure I wasn't trying to pull a fast one. But that was all right. I'd expected that. And we climbed into, into the police car and headed out to West Hampton. He believed me now, all right. That car couldn't have been pushed any harder if I'd been driving it myself. Still, it was getting daylight when we got there. Parked the car a little ways down the road and walked toward the house. See what I mean, Bert? Take that brick wall, for instance. Oh, what about it? Well, it's new. What did he build that for? It's not tall enough to hide the road. It's not even tall enough to keep a dog out. Why'd he build it? Well, maybe he built it to keep it in practice. Come on, come on, let's go in. It's awfully uh, quiet. Well, why not? They're probably in bed. Where I'd be if I hadn't let you talk me into this. Listen, Bert, you don't think... I'm here, ain't I? Go on, ring the bell. No answer. Keep trying. Shades are all down. I, I don't think they're Come in. Come on, let's try the back door. Shades are down on this side of the house, too. Look, look, the garage is empty. Yeah. Well, I guess our birds have flew the coop, all right. Bird, I don't like this. Come on, we'll try this back door anyway. Uh-oh. Locked. Here, 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 here's an axe. Uh, I'd like to try my keys first. There, that's got it. This the way to the front of the house? I guess so. I've uh, never been back here. Yeah, this is it. Here's the front hall. There. There it is. What? That room. The living room I was telling you about. Well, what about it? Snap on the lights. All right, I still say, what about it? I don't know, but... But don't you get something, something funny about it? Oh, what? Well, the, the lights or something about that fresh paint, the, the rug. The, there's something, though. I know there's something. Oh, come on, come on. We're wasting time. There's something screwy about the whole joint. We went over the place from top to bottom. I wanted to get back to that room, and time was awful important. But Bert Stillman wanted to look into everything, which was only right and natural. And then we ran into something that was just about the last thing I expected. What's, uh... What's this door here? I don't know. I thought we'd covered everything on the ground floor before. Mm, it's locked. Yeah, it must be some sort of back bedroom. Oh, doggone it. The keys won't fit this one. Funny. Only room in the house that was locked. Well, maybe we've got what we're looking for. Give me that axe. Uh, Bert, you see, if, if she was here and they've gone, they must have taken her. Mrs. Alden. Your wife's mother? Yeah. 
Where's your daughter? Oh, please, please. Come on, come on. Where is she? I don't know. Was she here? Yes, yes, but... Where is she now? I don't know. Did she leave with your husband? I don't Why didn't you tell me she was here the other night? Joe told me not to. She was here, but the next morning, Joe told me she'd left. And this morning, he left. Look. Look, uh, what did you lock yourself up in here for? I knew when Joe left that something, something terrible. And when you came, I was frightened. I just... Come on, Ed, where to? Don't you get it? For some reason, the stepfather's put the snatch on her. We've got to put a call through to headquarters, get the highway patrols to watch for them. What about her? Oh, she comes along. Oh, please. Come on, Bert. come on. Yes? Well, there's something wrong about you. You bet your life there oh, is. Oh, no, I mean, why would he Why would he do it? What motive would he have? You let me worry about the motive. You worry about your wife. Got some connection with what's wrong about that room, whatever it is. Will you forget about this room? We've got to get... I want to look just once more. I know there's something. Listen, listen. You, do you want your wife back or don't you? There's no... Bert, Bert. I've got it. You've got what? It's lopsided. Don't you see? It's, it's, it's not on the square. Are you crazy? Oh, no, I'm an architect. Look, the light's on in the middle of the ceiling. The window's on in the middle of the wall. So what? The design on the rug is wrong. It's, it's cut, cut off too close to that wall. It's... Bert! What? That wall. That's why the room has just been repainted. That's why he built that brick wall in front of the house. I don't get it. One wall of this room is a dummy. Built out in front of the real one. That's why the room looks lopsided. That's why he built a brick fence, to get bricks without arousing suspicion. Which wall? That one. And Bert. It must be hollow. Give me that act. You don't think that, that, that Janet... Uh, Bert, Bert, give it to me. Back. Let me. Get back, you hear me? Bert. <laughs> Mrs. Alden. It's, it's Janet. Answer me. Answer me, Mrs. Alden. Janet's mother until I came here to the house Monday night. Mrs. Alden. Mrs. Alden, answer me. I'm not Mrs. Alden. That's Mrs. Alden. Just a question of time now, whether we'd get back there in time to stop it. It all fit together now, and what Brett didn't know, he got out of a woman on the way back. Did you know Joe Alden before? No. Not before I came to their house in Eastport to take care of her. I'm a nurse. Then Joe and I... Uh-huh. Well, we... Who got the idea to kill her? You or Joe? He did. When he saw me giving her a sedative once. She was pretty sick. Oh, premeditated, huh? Why did he do it? Money, of course. She kept a lot of bonds around the house. 
That's what Joe wanted. Is that why you moved from Eastport to West Hampton? Yes. Nobody knew us in West Hampton. We moved in at night. They thought there was only two of us. They thought I was the real Mrs. Alden. When did he do it? About a week after we got there. One night. By morning, she was... where you found her. doing better than 80 most of the way, but I still didn't think we'd make it. Naturally, Bert was afraid to put the local cops around the house for fear Alden would spot them first and take Janet away and do it somewhere else, if he hadn't done it already. Because Bert Stillman had to picture Cole now. Janet had come to the West Hampton house and found her mother was missing before Alden had been able to make his getaway. So Alden had been made to kill Janet, too. Bert knew where he was taking her because of the clothes and the furnace in my house. That was a tip-off that Alden was going to try to plant it on me. The only break I had. At least I knew where to look if I could get there in time. In the outskirts of town, we picked up a police escort. But Brett made them lay off when they got near the house. We drove up the side street and parked a little ways off. We walked up to the house. There was a car in front of it. Is that Alden's car? Yes. All right. You're coming in with this lady, but the first sound out of you, and I'll shoot. And I mean that. I know. Got your keys, Ed? Yeah. Quiet now. Yeah. Look. There's a light. That's the door to the cellar. Come on. Listen, listen. He's, he's digging. The light's gone out. He must have heard us. Put on your flashlight. Let's go. There he is. Ed, why, you... Hey, what did you do that for? Killed my wife, didn't he? Switch on the light. Maybe it isn't too late yet. There she is. She's dead. Yes, yeah, chloroform. You smell it? Get that cloth off her face. Too late, can't you see? Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid... What are you doing carrying a gun, Ed? I got a permit. Anyway, what's the use of asking questions like this now when... Look! Look, she's moving. What? Yes, she's alive. Here, here, give me a hand. Ed, help me. Ed. Where are you going, Ed? Put up your hands, Ed. Okay, okay, they're up. Come on back down here. All right. Take it easy. I'm coming. Ed, you could at least have done it yourself. Instead of hiring murderers. <laughs> do it for the money what do you think for fun go ahead talk anything to make you happy would have been perfect if alden had killed her when he first got her in the cellar like i told him to maybe he had a sneaking idea i was going to double cross him he was stalling until the last minute i don't know anyway won't do him much good where he is what did you have on him ed the mother his wife i'd been up there before alone I knew he'd killed his wife because I'd seen a picture Janet had of a real mother. And I spotted the room right away. I told all him I'd split the money with him if he did it. And if he didn't... Mm-hmm. Go on. Well, I knew I could pick a fight with Janet. I knew she'd run up to her mother's. Then I went up there to make, make it look good. After I left, Alden was to call the cops like he did. You'd take me down here to headquarters, and while you were giving me the old third degree, Alden was supposed to plant the body in the cellar. That way... 
I was in the clear because uh, you'd know I couldn't have done it while I was down here talking to you. And you'd know she hadn't been there before because you'd looked. That's why I planted the clothes in the furnace, remember? So you would look. Uh, smart. Uh, I had an alibi and nobody had a thing on Alden unless I squawked. And he had to take that chance. Looked pretty good there for a while, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, your wife's outside. Do you want to say anything to her? Hmm? Yeah. Uh, just tell her I said, uh, you'll never see me again. Closes, you'll never see me again. Starring Joseph Cotton. Tonight's study in Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. To every woman listening tonight, I want to say a special word about making every dinner or supper you serve taste better. I want to urge you to start serving Roma wine with your meals. It's simple, the cost is very, very little, and it works magic in making food more enjoyable. You can serve Roma wine with any meal or any time in any kind of glass you wish. Serve it chilled. Try different kinds of Roma wine until you find those you enjoy most of all. Try hearty red Roma California Burgundy or the delicately delicious Roma California Sauterne. The cost is only pennies a glass, but you'll find even a pickup supper tastes like a banquet. Get Roma wines today. If your dealer is temporarily out of them, please try again soon. Just ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Joseph Cotton appeared through the courtesy of David O. Selznick and is currently being seen in the Selznick production since you went away. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Miss Merle Oberon as star of The Spin. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
Now, Roma Wines present... Suspense! Tonight, The Bluebeard of Balak, starring Merle Oberon. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you a star, Miss Merle Oberon, and a suspense play inspired by an actual recent news item from occupied France. And so, with the Bluebeard of Belloc, and with the performance of Merle Oberon, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense! Back there. Back up the wall. How, uh, how many were there this time? One. They found most of him. And? It was a soldier, a German. I heard it was an officer. Stay back. Back there. Come on. But, uh, they're still digging? Yes. What officer was it, did they say? They back think it the was wall. Captain Muller. You know, the doctor. They think. They don't know. They're looking for his head. One, two, two three, four. It's an How about this? Of course, they found the body. Identify the body. Why don't they identify him? Identify him? The blue beard. Why, they find out who he is. Listen, listen. Achtung, achtung. Villages of Belac, Saint-Jean, Bralagnon, Flumé. Achtung. This morning's victim of the blue beard of Belac is identified as Captain Franz Müller, oh. medical officer attached to the staff of Colonel Strelitz. Oh, an officer. For the first time, the blue bear himself has been seen, and a description has been provided. Is described Monsieur, as being of medium... Yes. I must speak with Colonel Strelitz. Is he here? I have information. Information about what? About the blue beard. Is the colonel here? He's in the staff car. Over there. Please take me to him. I must see him. And uh, who are you? Cecile Combray. Madame Combray. I live on the road to Flomé, just outside the village. Well, uh, all right, come along, madam. Is that the colonel, sitting in the back of the car? Yes. Now you wait here. I'll see. Naja, wieder so ein hysterisches Frauenzimmer, Herr Oberst. Was kann man da machen, Kreuzer? Eine Möglichkeit. Wo ist sie? Dort drüben, Herr Oberst. Ich habe mir gesagt, sie soll warten. Ordnung. Frau Herkommen. Jawohl, Herr Oberst. The Colonel will see you, Madame. Oh, thank you. Das ist Madame Combray, Herr Oberst. Madame, this is my aide, Lieutenant Kreuzer. It was kind of you to let me speak with you, monsieur. Kind? Naturally, madame. When we were told you have information about the bluebird. Yes, I we have. can't overlook anything. 
Now that he's killed one of my own officers? I know, I know. And I, I am next. Sue? Hmm. The Bluebeard is going to kill me. He's going to kill me tonight unless you help me. Unless you come home with me and stop him. This is your information? Yes. Why, every woman in Belak believes she's next on the Bluebeard's list. But I know. Madame, the Colonel's time is valuable. We thought you had real information. You don't expect us simply because you hysterically believe... No, that... no, please. I know, Colonel Strelitz. How can you know? Because, monsieur... Because the Bluebeard is... Is my husband. Why? Your husband is... Dr. Pierre Combre. Yes. He's the man you're looking for. I, I've known it for a long time. He is the Bluebeard. Tonight, for suspense, Robo Wines are bringing you a star, Miss Merle Oberon, whom you have heard in the prologue to The Bluebeard of Belloc by Sylvia Richards. Tonight's tale of suspense. In many foreign lands, wherever wine connoisseurs gather, they enthusiastically praise the distinguished character of Roma wines. Such praise of Roma wines in foreign lands can only mean that they are truly magnificent in quality. Roma wines' excellence is due to a unique combination of California's perfect soil and climate, from whence come the choice Roma wine grapes, plus age-old winemaking skill and modern knowledge. These combine to make Roma constant in quality, uniformly fine, unexcelled in value. Tomorrow, discover for yourself the delightful Roma taste and goodness enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. Simply serve as an appetizer before dinner a cool glass of golden nut-like Roma California sherry. Then on the table, place a bottle of cool, hearty Roma Burgundy. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the extra delight it adds to your meal, how it will win new compliments from family or guests. Yet... The cost is only pennies a glassful. Get Roma wines tomorrow. If your dealer is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Miss Merle Oberon as Madame Cécile Combre in the Bluebeard of Belloc. Tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Eleven o'clock. He'll be here in an hour. And if you had not come here with me... You have nothing to fear, madame. The house is well guarded. But... Won't the guards frighten him away? The instructions are to let him through. They will come in only when we have him trapped and we are armed. Yes, and he does not carry a gun. You know, he uses a knife. Madame Combray, why didn't you come to us before if you knew your husband was a blue beard? First, I wasn't sure. Then, when I was sure, well, he was still my husband. Then why now? Because now he will kill me, and I'm afraid. I knew when he went away with the body of Captain Miller yesterday. So you saw the captain? Yes, I saw it. And when Pierre looked at me, 
I knew he'd kill me. Tonight. Yes. He may try. It's been weeks of fear. And the night. The endless nights. Have you been married long, madame? Long? No. Less than a year. You aren't French, are you? No. No, I'm English. I spent a summer in Flomay about four years ago, and I liked it. So I stayed. I taught English in the village school there. Dr. Combray? About a year ago, there was an epidemic in Flomay, and he, Pierre, came there to help. He seemed to me when I met him to be very kind, a very noble man. Of course, I didn't know him well, but when he asked me to marry him, I was very happy. The morning after we were married, he brought me here to Belac, to this house which had been his family's for many generations. It was a beautiful morning, early spring. We came, as you did tonight, up the hill, past the summer house, to the front door. Well, here it is, Madame Combray. <laughs> Come, I'll carry you over the threshold. Oh, careful, Pierre. Don't drop me. No chance of that. Now, this is the hall. Shall I carry you on from room to room? Oh, Pierre, no. <laughs> Put me down. Very well. Ah, Come this way. Now, here is the parlor. Oh. Hello, Captain Muller. Good morning, Doctor. I've been waiting. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. <laughs> they said you'd be back this morning, uh, the people down the road. Yes, I was held up by my wedding. Your wedding? Oh, I'm sorry. Cecile, this is Captain Muller, the medical officer in charge with Colonel Strelitz. Captain, uh, my wife, Cecile. How do you do here, Miller? Well, doctor, <laughs> I congratulate you. I see even an epidemic can be useful. That's one way of looking at it. Uh, so what's up, Miller? Oh, uh, oh, 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 I wanted you to come in tomorrow to help with the vaccinations. About uh, 150 are going out and we need help. The last lot carried typhoid. I'd be glad to help. What time? Well, they are leaving at noon. Uh, if you're there at 8 o'clock, we'll have enough time. I'll be there. Very well, Doctor. Madame, tomorrow then. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Ah, now we will go on with our tour. Follow me. Pierre, who's to be vaccinated tomorrow? All labor draftees being sent to Germany. This is the kitchen. The stairs go up from here. What's upstairs? Well, off that first landing there are several bedrooms. Mine and others know the floor above still more. Before the war, there were servants. This is a pantry? Yes. And this door, where does it... Why, oh, it's locked. What is it? Oh, there's an old wine cellar. It's not used. A cellar? Do you have a key? Uh, there's nothing down there, Cecile, that would interest you. Oh, but I'd like to see. We might be able to grow mushrooms No, or... Cecile, it can't be used. Let's look. Where's the key, Cecile. Pierre? Yes? That door must stay locked. But, Pierre... You understand? Yes, but... But why? No matter what happens, you must never try to go down there. Never. You see, monsieur, it was a small thing. Just a room I must not enter. He told me the room was used for his experiments, and I believed him. I was in love. But there were other things, and they added up to... Fear. Just the taste of fear. A shadow so light I... I didn't know it was there. There was first of all the gossip I heard in the village when I went to market. Oh, 
good morning, Madame Cambray. You're late today. Pierre worked late last night. Is there any milk, Madame Bourget? I can let you have a little pint. Oh, if that's all. Uh, does the doctor work often at night? Quite often in his laboratory. Uh, I could not bear a man who pottered around after dark. But it's his profession. Maybe, but I would not sleep a wink, not with this blue beard around. No, I like a man who is steady, so I know what he's up to. Oh, how can you bear to live in that big, depressing house? Oh, but I love it. Well, you're young. I suppose it's romantic to you. It's no place for a woman to be alone. The first Madame Combray, you know. She died there. Yes, Pierre told me. But I know he did everything he could. Oh, yes? It was very sudden. Typhoid can be very sudden. Yes, his certificate said typhoid. That's why your coffin was sealed. Oh! Hey, Jean! Jean, what is it? What is it? What's happened? Everyone's running. There's an announcement, madame. They know who one of them is. One? Of whom? There were three last night. One of them was a man. Three? Why, why the Bluebeard, he killed three in one night. Cut them to bits. Oh, how terrible. All sliced up and scattered around, madame Cambrai. You should have seen. Oh, no. Where, where were they? In the meadow north of the church. Why, that's near your house. The meadow? Yes, Madame Combray. If you had been awake, you would have heard him. You or the doctor. Yes, if I'd been awake, I would have heard. And one night, I was awake... My husband and I had gone to bed early, and I slept well. I'd worked in the garden most of the afternoon. But shortly after 11, something, some sound woke me. It may have been only an owl screech. I lay in the dark and listened. I didn't hear it again. Then I heard another sound. And I saw there was a little moonlight, that my husband was out of bed and that he was dressing. Pierre. Oh, did I wake you? Pierre, what is it? Nothing, Cecile. Go back to sleep. Is someone ill? Did someone come for you? I have to go out. Go back to sleep, Cecile. I won't be long. Something woke me. I heard a sound. I'm sorry. Did someone come for you? Was it Captain Muller? No. Who is it, Pierre? Who's it? No one you know. Where are you going, Pierre? Do you have to go far? Go back to sleep. I won't be long. But, but, Pierre... I'm sorry I woke you. You didn't. I'm sure I heard a... Cecile, it's best that you go back to sleep. I just wondered... It's best for you. Good night, Cecile. He went away, Colonel Strelitz, and I lay there in my bed, rigid, listening to his steps down the dark stairs into this kitchen. I heard the front door open and close. Then he went down the gravel path in the moonlight. I waited. It seemed long, yet it was only a little time. That clock there, I could hear the, through the floor, chime the quarter, then the half. When I heard him, it was not yet midnight. And he came slowly, climbing the hill. I slipped out of bed and went down the stairs to the landing there, from where I could watch him come into the kitchen. But when he came into the kitchen, I could not speak. For he was not alone. Over his shoulders, he carried a body. A man, I think. And he was stooped under his horrible burden. He crossed the kitchen without looking up and did not hear... But I was sure he must hear the pounding of my heart. He took a key from his pocket, holding the body with one hand, unlocked that door to the wine cellar, and 
went into its awful blackness. Then I was back in my room. I don't remember how I got there. Cold and shaking in my bed. When I heard... Oh, monsieur, it was pitiful. I heard rising from the depths of the house from where he had gone. The scream of a man in fearful agony. Cecile. Yes. Yes, Pierre. You are still awake. No, Pierre, I... I told you to go back to sleep. I was, Pierre, I did. But you are awake now. Something... I heard something. Yes, you heard? It... It must have been you opening the door. Oh. You came in suddenly. You must have... Yes, yes, I think I did. Well, we'll go to sleep now. Yes, we'll go to sleep. Pierre? Yes. Was someone ill? Yes. Who was it, Pierre? Did you have to go far? We'll go to sleep now, Cecile. What time is it? Time? It's just past midnight. Midnight was usually the hour. His hour. He always came back soon after. And the following day, there were always the announcements on the loudspeakers in the village. Bodies. Pieces of bodies. It was the day when he and your men found Odette. It was so horrible for me, because she was so beautiful and still only a child. And you remember, the body was yet warm. So the whistles were blown, calling all the village to the church square. Because the bluebeard might still carry his knife or have blood on him. Or he might not get there and be known because he was missing. I was in the village and I ran to the square with the mayor. And we stood in line with the others. Everyone was there. Everyone except Pierre. What terror I felt. Monsieur, when you began to call the names. Felix Armand? Yeah. Paul Arden? Yeah. Yvette Barthelmy? Uh, Madame yeah. Combray, are you ill? It, yeah. It's just the sun. It's so warm, La yet Bouvette. I feel chilly. Yeah. You're very pale. Here, uh, uh, Here. Why, I don't see Pierre. Here, here. Oh, he's, he's probably Combray. with Captain Muller. He'll be here. Pierre Combray! Here, 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 I'm here. Don't look at me like that, you'll attract notice. You're out of breath. Where were you, Pierre? Does it matter I'm here? But your hands, your clothes, they're wet. So you see, I still did not know. And I needed to be sure. I could not live unless I was sure. So I stole the key, the key to the cellar. Yes, it was that easy. While he slept, and the next day he went to the village with Captain Muller and left me alone with the answer in my hand. I opened the door and went down those steps, carrying a candle. We will go down there in a moment, Colonel Strelitz, to wait for him. And you will see there is a little room, bare and damp by the candle's light. I saw there was something on the table. It was his case, filled with knives, surgical instruments... Not strange for a doctor. There was blood on them, fresh blood. And there was more on the table, on the floor, and much blood on a sheet which I found thrown into the corner. I found the strength to get out and to lock the door again. I put the key back that night. So again, I did not know. I did not really know until yesterday. I was sewing in the front parlor. 
And Pierre was walking up and down because he had an appointment with Captain Muller. The captain was late. Careful, what's keeping Muller? Perhaps he got orders. More soldiers came into Berlac yesterday. Many more. Yes, I know, but that shouldn't keep him. There's something going on. They're getting ready for something. Yes, but why would Muller... Do sit down, Pierre. Your walking makes me nervous. I've spoiled the seam and have to rip it out. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Some of the soldiers were searching houses yesterday. I don't know what they were looking for. Did they come here? Oh, no. At least not while I was here. I was in the village most of the afternoon. That's when I saw the soldiers. And there's nothing here to look for. Is there, Pierre? That's it. Of course. Why didn't I think he's down there? Pierre, where, where are you going? I'm going down to my cellar, Cecile. I have work. Pierre, no, not the captain. Yes, the captain and Cecile. I don't want to be disturbed. And then I knew he was going to kill Captain Muller. He was going to kill a German soldier. Worse, an officer. I knew then, Colonel Strelitz, that if he would go that far, he was no longer a man I could even attempt to reason with. His insane urge to kill might turn on anyone. Even me. I had to stop him. Cecile! Cecile, what are you doing? You can't come down here. You... you killed him! Cecile, now I'll have to... But I wasn't ready. It's not time. Captain Muller, they'll track you down. You... you can't get Cecile, away. Cecile, be quiet. I warned you. I told you not to. Murder. You did it. You killed him and the others. Cecile, I told you. What'll you do now? Do? What do you think I'll have to do? Now, now you know too. And in a few minutes he'll come. And then it'll all be over. It's almost midnight. That's a remarkable story, madame. So he made no attempt to harm you last night? No, Colonel Strelitz. It wasn't time. Not time? He kills only when he feels the need. And he'd already killed one. So the need was gone. And it was daylight. He left then? Yes. I haven't seen him since. He looked at me. It was a terrible look. And he went. And I knew by the look that I would be the next. Tonight. And Captain Miller? He... He took the captain's body with him. Come, we must go down to the cellar now, before midnight. Very well. Lieutenant, will you bring the lamp? Yes, I'll bring it. You see, it's unlocked, as he left it. Close the door behind you, Colonel. Very well. Careful. The last step. Another door. Oh, it is small and damp. Is, uh, is that the table where he... Yes. Set the lamp there, Lieutenant. You can see the stairs. They're quite dry by now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I see. And on the floor. Sit down, monsieur. There, where you can watch the door. I... I will stand here at the back if you don't mind. You're right. It's safest for you. Listen. I heard the clock strike. And, yes, listen. 
door. Have you your guns? Quiet. Yes, but we want to take him alive. You can. He's coming down. Cecile, are you there? Put your hands up, Dr. Hombre. Ah, visitors. Well done, Cecile. Scarcely visitors, Doctor. A bit more unpleasant for you. Now, if you'll... Put your hands up, Colonel Strelitz. You too, Lieutenant. Madame Combray. I... Yes, I too had a gun. But your husband, he's... He's a... The Bluebeard? I'll take your gun, Colonel, and yours. Mm -hmm. No, Colonel, I am no Bluebeard, as you knew very well. It was clever of you to plant the mutilated bodies of your victims to drive me into the open. To create this legend of a Bluebeard to make the people of Belak suspect all men who work at night, as I do. To make the village distrust me, their leader. But Madame Combray, you saw Captain Muller, saw his body. The captain? Yes. Pierre killed Captain Muller. He was his one victim because the captain was suspicious and pried a little too far into this room. Pierre had to kill him because he was... He saw our radio station behind that wall. Open it, Pierre, and let the colonel see. You see... The wall opens easily, and behind it is the nerve center for Belak, for our underground army. Army? Sneaks and cowards who set their women to lying. I lied? What else? You said that he carried in a body, that there was a scream in the night, that there was a body. All true, Colonel. Yes, I carried home a man wounded by your soldiers, and I removed the bullet without anesthesia, for we French have no such luxuries. So the blood of that patriot is mixed on the table with that of the late Captain Muller. Don't you know it's hopeless for you? Hopeless? Colonel, surely you know that our armies are in France, Americans, English, and our underground army which surrounds you? But this house is surrounded by my men! It was, you mean, Colonel. Are you still there, Mr. Porter? Porter? Yeah, what do you say, Doc? Everything quiet? Quiet as a tomb, Doc. All things down there. Who is that? We have what you call a couple of rats, Mr. Porter. Then we are finished. Okay. That is Mr. Porter. As you heard, he is an American. An American? You? He is commanding a large number of parachutists who just an hour ago dropped into our meadow. Oh. And who a few minutes ago very quietly killed the guards you mentioned. Killed? My God. Yes, and since you were here in the cellar, unfortunately, you could not hear. But now, Pierre, you have your work to finish. Your work? I have orders from my army to kill you and the lieutenant to secure this advance for our allies. So with Cecile's help, I set this little trap. Oh, listen to me. You won't. Cecile, so... do you want to share the honor? No, no, no. No, no, no. No, And so closes The Bluebeard of Belloc, starring Merle Oberon. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Have you discovered how much good wine adds to the enjoyment of food? How Roma wine makes even the simplest, most inexpensive meals really exciting events? Well, all you need do is place on the table with the meal... A cool bottle of hearty Roma California Burgundy. Serve it in any kind of glass. You will find it delicious with any food. And if you are entertaining guests, you will find Roma wine just the gracious, festive note 
that makes any dinner party or get-together a happy, compliment-arousing occasion. And remember, Roma wines cost you only pennies a glassful. So any home can afford the pleasure they add to everyday living, to entertaining. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Merle Oberon is soon to be seen in the Columbia Technicolor production, A Song to Remember. Next Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, same time, you will hear Mr. Gene Kelly as star of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Thank you for joining us at 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We try to alternate weeks with two episodes of Escape one week, followed by two episodes of Suspense the following week. New episodes of 1001 Tales of Escape and Suspense are available every Sunday at noon Eastern Time. We always appreciate reviews. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.